1: Welcome back to Full Throttle. Well, we had five weekends of no Bennett's British Superbike action. My goodness, we have had it now. Two amazing, amazing races at Snetterton in Norfolk, but particularly the finish to the second one on Sunday afternoon. Listen to this. This is Eurosports' Jack Burnickel bringing us that unbelievable climax to the action.
2: Just Brooks is thinking of same thing. look at Haslam,
3: Brooks is trying <laughs> to get around the outside of Haslam, he chops into the final turn, can he gain the momentum up the hill, could it be Josh yes. Brooks and McCam's Jamar for the first time, Haslam's oh! alongside
1: him, they
0: collided with one another and they
1: go up the hill, oh it's absolutely
0: neck and Haslam
1: gets it by four hundredths of a second from Dixon and Brooks, what a finish. And so, Leon Haslam does the double for a second consecutive round. He did it back at Alton Park six weeks earlier. He's now done it at Snetterton. He'd never won at Snetterton before. Jake Dixon just grabbing second place. Josh Brooks, who stuck his elbow out over the line, contacting with Haslam, demoted to third. But an absolutely staggering end to the race there on Sunday. And when things had finally just calmed down a bit on Sunday evening... I managed to find a nice bench on one of the grassy areas in the middle of the Snetterton paddock and was joined by Michael Laverty, rider turned TV presenter turned commentator and now podcast co-presenter. First of all, Michael an annoying day for you but um you know it happens sometimes i guess
2: yeah that's the way it goes difficult weekend sometimes we we were actually quite fast and worked hard on the hard race tire thought we had something for the race today get wiped out in race one no information for race two and then i, I had a reasonable pace in race two but i'm a front tire banded and had we had race one under our belts we would have had a good race two so it's just frustrating it's that knock-on effect so you take that sometimes it happens and you just have to accept it and move on
1: obviously Andy didn't mean it did he but it was just one of those silly first lap incidents wasn't it
2: yeah over exuberance on his part first superbike race he had gone really good in practice You know, he yeah. had impressed a lot of people and he just I think he, he wanted to do a lot in, in his first he, he really wanted to impress so he, he was over eager and he got in there and, and, and it was a bit, um, a bit stupid on his part You know, he, he had a, a really good pace throughout the weekend That he's got a fast bike and he, he should have just settled because he'd have been able to, to pick people off. But um, but yeah, he learned from it. Hopefully, he does take it on board. You know, I think um, I didn't give him a hard time, but I you know I said to him, you know, you, you're young, you're fast, you're talented, you've got a good machine, under you. Just settle, use your head a little bit, and it'll come good. But um, but yeah, that's the way it goes. He, he had a bad rap from his supersport career, making a lot of bad decisions, and some of them I found questionable. But I never pulled him up on it. I thought he'd mature out of it. And then first race in the superbike, <laughs> it yeah. just all went wrong for him. But yeah, that's racing. You have, to, you
1: have to suck it up sometimes and um, you know
2: he, he didn't mean to do it he just, just got in there hot
1: all credit to you though and the Honda guys as well you didn't do a Rossi and turn them away like you did with Mark Marquez <laughs> you, you let Andy in I mean it, it was nice for him to come and say sorry wasn't it yeah definitely
2: like I said at the time even though I was angry he is a nice lad I do believe in his ability and, and um, yeah it just I I, I You know, I don't know him too well, but I'd say he felt bad taking down his fellow countryman with experience and everything else. Uh, So, yeah, he wanted to come and apologize to me and apologize to the team. But I think he did the same with Honda. So fair play to him. Yeah, it shows a lot of maturity on his part.
1: Yeah, it does. In terms of the races, I I always have this trouble. I don't know whether you do. It's a bit different for you because you're in the race. But trying to actually remember what has happened. Leon Haslam double, of course. He's looking strong, isn't he? But the thing is, everyone's saying he's got a 64-point championship lead, which he has, but it's the podium credits which are the real important thing now, isn't it? Because once we get to that showdown, it's sort of all reset anyway, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's the podium credits that matter, but I think it's the... It's
2: almost this has been Leon's weakest circuit in the past so to yeah. come here and do a double yeah. at this circuit that that really sets him up as title favourite in my view uh, Leon's had a few years now in the Kawasaki he's really settled in fixed a few of their weak areas because in the past they could not make that soft tyre last to the end and this weekend they've done it twice on what is a really really tough uh, tyre wear track so even uh, myself I had to run the hard tyre this weekend and I'm quite a smooth rider so I should get away with the soft tyre so they figured something out with the Kawasaki and that for me, means a lot to, to Leon, especially if the temperature's right. They'll they'll go and win a lot of races now, towards the second half of the year. But when it gets cold, when the showdown comes in, so we go to we go to Silverstone, the last round before then, Alton Park and Assen, and by then you're starting to get into 15 mm. degrees ambient temperature, and then this the hard tire comes back into play again. But Leon, the way he's riding, I think he probably can make both tires work at the minute. So they're they're in a really strong position. But Brad Ray's exciting for me. I think for a championship. Uh, it's going to be the experience that might go against him you know Leon was champion elect last year just made a few mistakes in the last round and then Shaky his experience paid off and he, he pulled it out of the bag but I think Leon's now he is the favourite in my view he's got the experience he's got the team he's got um, the know-how to make, make it work and I think less pressure this time without having Shaky
1: as a rival so I think he's uh, yeah, he's now true. established himself as championship favourite Just quickly about Brad right I mean I'm no rider but it did look like two relatively silly errors didn't it today to be honest um, again it happens the track temperature was quite low though wasn't it how much of a bearing did that have i think it was 24 was it something like that yeah it was down lower uh, even in race two it dropped to 19 by the
2: end really? so it was wow. actually getting cooler as the okay. race went on so yeah he's got caught out but it's an easy corner to crash on there's quite there's a few bumps so when you get out a little bit wide uh, Brad, if you watch his riding style, he's very over the front. He's got a Moto2, GP kind of-esque riding style. Right, all, all, so that, all
1: could, that could be interesting
2: looking ahead a bit down the line, couldn't it? For sure. You, when I rode with Brad last year for the first time, I thought, you know, I really, I've watched him back from his super, when he first made the step up to Supersport, and I thought he's got the right riding style to go places in World Championship. And uh, he didn't quite get the opportunities. And then uh, the Bill Base team, the Hawk racing team, gave him that opportunity on a superbike last year. And he, he yelled straight away. And I was like, you know, for so little experience, he's got the right riding style. He's got the right attitude, he's a really nice kid, and I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. If he gets the right opportunities, I'd like to see him take a step into World Championship next year. I don't know if those doors are going to be open for him, but um but yeah, the way he's riding at the moment, okay it's a couple of little rookie errors. You know, it's his second year in BSB and he's he's now one of the fastest guys on track, so yeah. you're gonna get sucked in. He was on the hardware tire and he's making it work, so for me he should have two podiums today at a minimum, but he just got over exuberant again. The exuberance of youth will of youth <laughs> will catch you out from time to time. So yeah, you can't knock him for, for trying. Have you seen the end
1: of the race yet? You were in it, weren't you? Have you seen what happened at the end? Yeah, I just caught the highlights of the last corner, so I've seen that move. we've We've just had a bit of a collision behind. We've got all the trucks trying to make their way out of the paddock, and is that the FS3 racing truck? Has actually bumped into the fence it's almost got hooked on the way out so yeah. it's so narrow getting out of here though yeah
2: it's not easy it's a small pit lane here so the trucks are parked quite close together so and with this this
1: <laughs> <laughs> this wooden barrier in front makes life even more difficult for the guys yeah you probably heard the bang everyone yeah i mean just to picture that all the trucks are parked so close together and they're trying to avoid the other trucks and yeah he's just whacked the, the it's only a low fence isn't it but... <laughs> strategically played what a nightmare (laughs) for these truck drivers you've got to feel for them Um, well talking of banging into things that's what we were talking about isn't it at the end of the race um obviously you i guess you've got to be careful here because you're a rider but from a neutral from a commentator point of view which is what you're doing a lot now anyway what did you make of it was that a little bit naughty from josh brooks
2: a little bit you know he had made a a pass into the last corner which is hard to get your acceleration because you come tight so he knew it It was was a really good good pass to get the drive around quorum it's hard to do he pulled it off clean but he knew he was going to sacrifice his drive so he started to drift to the left hoping that he was going to block Leon off he obviously just caught him in his peripheral and leaned a bit harder hoping that Leon (laughs) would roll the gas but if if you've ever fought against Leon for even a few corners you'll know he will not give give an inch so Leon didn't give up leaned on him and and held the throttle open didn't even rule it out because if he had ruled slightly Jack Dixon would have won the race, and so, he did get second,
1: didn't he? Yeah, well,
2: he Jake, Jake managed to, to slip through on Josh, so yeah, a little bit naughty on Josh's part. But at the same time, you got to do those sort of things if you want to you want to hold on. You know, he would made a good clean pass. He knew his acceleration was compromised, so he had to try something. And um, yeah, I'm sure Leon probably, you know, he thrives
1: off that kind of thing. He loves a bit of, a bit of nip and tuck and a bit of bashing, so it gets him excited. So he'll be happy enough. I thought Jake Dixon had got it actually, and he as, as you know he got second, didn't he? I thought he was going to get it. He was so cl- I mean, what a finish, though. I mean the races we've seen across the weekend, BSB does not fail to deliver. It never does, does it? Yeah. When you're in that field and you realise there's a lot of
2: a lot of talent talented raiders on good bikes on very yeah. even machinery so you know on a on an off day you can be outside the top 10 but they always make because of that parity across the machines it makes really good racing so we're all in the same tyres same electronics and more or less the same horsepower bikes so there, some bikes have different strengths at different circuits so that, than others And um, but yeah generally you've got 5 or 6 riders that could win a race on any weekend so it makes it makes good racing if, if, if it all clicks you know Jake's really found his feet the last couple of rounds had a good Oldton Park and a good Snedderton so he's, he's establishing himself as, an, as a real threat this year as well so so the Kawasaki seemed to work good here for, for mm. him, for Danny Buchan, for, for Leon, also for Luke Mossy. Unfortunately, he had that brake failure at the end of the straight. But yeah, the oh, Kawasaki yeah. seemed to work good this weekend, as did the Ducati. It was really
1: Bradley Ray was the spoiler on the Suzuki. So he was in the mix, really looking really strong as well. I forgot about that Luke Mossy moment I bet he hasn't that was scary wasn't it it's was about 180 is it down there miles an hour yeah 180 coming and there's a bit of runoff, luckily there but a few
2: people happened to Stuart Eastern years ago and you know you're seeing the grass in front and you know the riders are going to come back across your path so yeah. you're you're thinking if I try and ride this out I could collect one of them or did you I'll... see that happen were you around no I had actually I got taken out in the first lap so I didn't no, see of it of course so, you did yeah. so I missed I yeah. missed all that action yeah, but yeah of I, that was I, one, I was yeah. back in the garage and I seen it and I was, I was like well, where's
1: you know he, I seen the, him stopped and I seen his bike the other side of the track and I was like something's badly gone wrong well, here I, I missed it because I was down in the pit lane interviewing you guys after the incident we had went back upstairs and everyone said Greg you just missed you know and yeah. Mossy had gone as well it was just it was really all happening wasn't it massive and uh, you know t- to experience that I've had it where I've had no brakes and luckily i
2: pumped a couple of times and it came back as we've seen uh, Mugello where Piero done that or, he had no brakes yeah. grabbed again and went over, yeah. the, over the handlebars he had
1: no airbag suit either
2: I've heard exactly so he, he, had a, he was very very lucky to get away with that you yeah. know he, he got away with and look today obviously grabbed the brakes had nothing pumped again had nothing started to shift back the gears and use his rear brake and you you just do not decelerate without that front brake and then he went to the grass and you don't scrub off any speed in the grass so he, he, you have a split second to decide what to do and he just decided to bail mm-hmm. off and uh yeah he's i think he's cracked a rib maybe he's damaged yeah. some ribs so he's, yeah. he's hurt himself that's going to happen when you jump off a bike it probably only slowed down to maybe 150 mile an hour at that stage so got off lucky in, in some ways but yeah it's such a frightening thing when you have no brakes it's it's you know there's there's two things in racing I fear is one is losing your brakes and the other is getting hit from someone behind when you crash and they run into you those yeah. are the things that you can't do a lot about and then um,
1: yeah unfortunately we've seen another one of those incidents today quick shout out for Jason Halloran as well I can't believe it I don't know what he's done is he broken a mirror or injured a black cat or something I just can't believe it he, he's going so well this year he goes to immelo and that cursed Red Bull Honda <laughs> flicks him off somehow whatever happened and then he comes back here recovered and it happens again I mean I can't believe it poor bugger, you know he he absolutely done nothing wrong he was on the wide lane the
2: safe lane if you like and he got collected and Andrew touched me Took, I took Dan down and then one of either maybe Dan's bike mm. or, or mine took took Jay, Jason down <laughs> I so, don't know what Honda's going <laughs> to get a break yeah I feel for, for Jason because that's been a, a tough slog if you follow him on Instagram or social media you'll see he's been in the hyperbaric chamber he's been doing cryotherapy yeah. he's been uh, a lot of rehab to, just to get fit enough to here he's here on crutches walking out to the bike on crutches and, and struggling his way around so fair play he got he got out there he, he done it and then he I, I believe his decision was the right one to set out race two in case he does any further damage? He's got three weeks now till Knockhill, or sorry, two free weekends yeah. to kill So yeah. it's more or less three weeks until he's been back on a bike again. And um, yeah, Jake, Jason's been very strong at the start of the year. He's, he was really strong last year, so it's been unfortunate for him. You know, thought he'd, he got a real good opportunity getting a shot at World Superbike on the Red Bull Honda, and it just didn't work out. So unlucky for him. You know, he that situation as well because he had no practice on the Friday so jumping in and trying to do a good job in such a short time frame it's tough enough when you do a full race week and never mind you know jumping on a new bike new electronics everything's different for him and yeah he just got caught out so he had a a high side and down he went so yeah his his season's not been not been great but no. he's faced he's, he's so many rough things over the years you know a broken leg a few years ago and he comes back strong he's a, he's a fighter he's a terrier so yeah. yeah expect him to be to be back over the second half of the season
1: getting podiums and race wins again yeah, he's a tough one isn't he we've got to come to rider of the weekend in a minute which is a, probably a bit unfair that I ask you to pick a rider <laughs> of the weekend but while you're thinking about that let's have a quick listen into this this is a bit earlier on Julian Ryder as I'm sure you all know has been with us in commentary this weekend here's what Jules made of uh, his return to Snetterton for the first time since 1988 Well, we're in the TV compound now. It's just coming up to quarter past six. We've just about gone off air. We've just had a hilarious incident, actually, in the pit lane. Neil McKenzie lost some papers and had to go running up the pit lane to get them, much to the delight of Matt Roberts. I'm sure we'll be seeing that on the social media channels over the next few days. But I'm with Julian Ryder. Julian, it's been a pleasure to have you here with us at Snetterton. For the first
3: time at Snetterton for you since the late 80s. What do (laughs) you reckon of it now? It has changed beyond recognition. I love how, again, BSB have got it right, Uh, I have to say motorsport vision as well we should say, shouldn't we? Spectator bankings uh, and a massive crowd and they can all see what's going on. It's brilliant, utterly brilliant and this championship never fails to impress. Um, You look at this paddock, the depth of the fields, the quality of all of the racing, the quality of all the classes, the accessibility of the riders to the fans and the affordability of the ticket to the spectator. There's not much, not much you can't like about this. Plus, all the races are
1: in the same country. It's so easy to travel to them. You can easily get yourself to four, five, however many rounds you want over
3: a season, can't you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, and there are obviously people who do. There's a lot of caravans here, a lot of camping, and a lot of people who I talk to in the general, you know, out there in the real world, who go to two, three, four BSB meetings a year. And these are family Family, families. You know, it's it's the it's mum, dad, and the kids can afford to do it. It's wonderful.
1: Very quickly then, Jules, before everyone heads off, your opinions on what we've seen racing-wise. We've seen some tremendous racing. What did you make of the Josh Brooks-Leon Haslam clash at the end of race two?
3: I have to. Th- I know why Josh moved to his left, but he did think Leon was further behind him than he was. Yeah. But it was a little bit maybe up to the line of acceptability. I don't think he was trying to do... Because he ended up losing a position. He, he lost a position, you know. Mm. So you, There's no way Josh Brooks was, is a dirty rider who was trying to do something. It just looked... And probably as Leon Haslam said, it felt a bit bit naughty.
1: Well a message all from my point of view it's been a pleasure to commentate together. We've had some great action, haven't we, in the junior supersport class? That's a category that I think it's fair to say is going places.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, with all the disquiet about Super Sports 600 and whether the factories will keep making bikes and all the rest of it, then that class can only grow in importance and it's the accessibility of that class, the affordability, Mm. nothing's cheap, we know this, it's motorcycle racing, it's not cheap, but the affordability of that class means it's great and it's up to the organisers, as they've done in other classes, to balance the performance of the Kawasaki, the KTM, uh, the Yamaha, and hopefully the Honda in the near future, and it's 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 seriously impressive. And finally, Jules, it's been nice to
1: hear you and Jack Bernickal together again as well. Old mates, of course. <laughs> so there's been a lot of stories there, oh. a few over the weekend,
3: but yeah, it has been nice to hear you both together. I've, I've, I've so I first worked with Jack in about 1982, mm, well, yeah. so we have known each other for yeah. a very long time, and it's uh, it's a pleasure. It's just a The whole BSB thing is a pleasant experience. It's quality racing and it's a nice place to be.
1: I am sure we will see you back here again in the near future. Have a good trip, home. Well, I
3: I hope Jim Whittam's back here soon. That's the the more important thing. And if he'll let me in again, I'll be delighted. (laughs) It's down to you then, Whittam. Thanks, Jules.
0: Hi, I'm Rachel Stringer and I hope you're loving Full
2: Throttle. Don't forget to watch me and the BSB team on Eurosport and the
3: Eurosport Player.
1: Jules Ryder there then great to have him with us this weekend of course he's spent a lot of time with Keith Hewan hasn't he in co over the last few years you're there now I can't not ask about that <laughs> how's life on the other side you seem to be really enjoying it and it comes across in the broadcast I do enjoy it it's a really good team there so uh, I've known Keith for
2: years you know he commented on me when I was 16 years old starting out in 125 so he's getting back now yeah so he's (laughs) been he's been about for a long time and um, and, you know I've known Neil and JT and Colin uh, so yeah get on really good with everyone Susie's an amazing presenter to work with Um, so yeah really enjoying it it's my f- the feedback i've received has been positive so once you start getting positive feedback your confidence builds and you can relax a little bit more and um the technical side of yeah. it things i enjoy so i've got a lot of contacts in the paddock i can go and speak to to technicians suspension guys find out a little bit of the development and it's nice to have that current information when i'm talking about it so that comes naturally the pieces to camera a little bit less natural but hopefully that'll come better with time but um overall i'm enjoying it it's a you know it's great to talk it's motorbikes is my passion so I've always since I was 10 years old I've watched every single MotoGP race and practice session anything that's on I'll keep an eye on it so I'm always up to speed I keep an eye on everybody's uh, social media is a great thing these days so you don't need to read all the news stories if you're on top of that you're you're, you're abreast of all, all what's going on so I stay abreast of all the championships worldwide so I've, I've got a good knowledge base and um, I think that's come across I don't need to do a load of notes I think I, I let a lot of it go off the top of my head and that's worked so far and I'll keep doing that until until it doesn't work out for me so yeah, like I say, it's a, it's a bit
1: of a transition this year into the broadcasting side of things, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm sure it will work out for you, Michael, judging by what we've seen so far. You're right, though, about social media. I mean, back in the day, you used to have to wait for a fact to come through from a team press release. <laughs> now the riders are the reporters, aren't they, really? Exactly. It's changed our job.
2: Yeah, you can get so much information on there. So even in between sessions, so I don't want to miss some action because I'll be presenting between yeah. the next session and talking about something. So I need to see what's going on. Yeah. So a lot of the time, social media, the, the riders will keep us updated with what. The problems have been in that. So if, if I can pop down to the garage, I will and, yeah. and speak to everybody. But if I don't have time, social media gives me gives me a lot of
1: updates, and uh, yeah, it's it's a great way to, to keep in touch with what's going on across the board. I mean, I'm obsessed with that as well as a commentator. People say, "I'll oh, come out, watch trackside, watch trackside." And with someone like you, it's great. But I'm obsessed with not missing something that happens on the TV. Exactly. If the viewers have seen something I've not seen, I'm going to look like an idiot if well, I'm not careful.
2: It's such a funny thing you say that i on a, on, a, on a the second day on the qualifying day, I generally don't commentate in the morning sessions. So I used that time to go and speak to the writers and technicians. And then a couple of times I've come back and I've missed some of the action. And then uh, I'm presenting with Susie during the lunchtime. And she says, talk us through this, Michael. And it's the first time I've yeah, seen you it. So, to, then, yeah, so then it's difficult. So you have to be, you have to use your time so wisely over a weekend. So The simple things I didn't even consider before I started yeah, the job. Or you
1: question something that everyone's actually already seen. Because yeah, exactly. you've not seen it because you've been busy somewhere else. Yeah. That's the thing I think. People at home with the greatest respect, they don't always know, and why would they? You know, you can only be in one place at one time at the circuit, can't you? Just because you're there it doesn't always... and this isn't me, but well, it is me making an <laughs> excuse. It doesn't always mean that you can get all the info at that moment, does it? Exactly, exactly that.
2: You sometimes miss some things, and even I need. I'd, I've got my earpiece in, so I'm trying to listen to what my co-commentators are saying True. between their sessions because I want to keep abreast of what they've spoke about already. because I don't want to go over Repeat the same it. ground. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you you wake up in the morning, you leave seven a.m. or whatever from the hotel, and we go live at quarter to nine. And from that time, from that eight forty. Five to four p.m. You're mentally drained by the end of it. Yeah. So, races. And you're in that program, aren't you? Exactly. Sort of lose reality. You know, lose awareness of what's going on yeah, around you you got to keep so focused and keep sharp and and you know it, it is mentally draining so at the end of the day yeah. w- we we kind of have a bit of a ritual where we go to the, the paddock pub which is mark vds this trailer, and go and have one <laughs> beer right, to chill yeah. out and just go uh, you know once it's done because it is a stressful thing you know you're you're live broadcasting and you have to get it all right so yeah, yeah it's nice nice when it's when it's kind of done and you've had a good day so you get a similar buzz do you do when, when you've done a good race but it's just it's just different it's like you know when you go racing you want to improve you want to do everything the best. You can and it's the same with 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 the presenting job. So you want to improve, you want to give good feedback, you want to give the, the people at home uh, you know a good show. So yeah, yeah. when
1: you do a good job, you, you feel a good buzz from it as well. Okay, well we mentioned before we heard from Jules Ryder there, rider of the day. Here is rider of the day. Okay, Michael, you've been in the races, so it's probably a little bit unfair. But if you had to go for rider of the day from a neutral standpoint, who are you going to go for?
2: Uh, I've got to give it to Leon Haslam, you know, to do the double on what has been a bogey track for him. Fair play,
1: he d- deserves the credit for that one and that. So I'd, I'd give him a Raider of the day for sure. Thanks for that one, Michael. Won't keep you too long. Let's move on very quickly to the star tweet. So this one, we've been looking through our timeline, haven't we, over the last few minutes? And I think the one we're probably going to go for, spotted by you actually, um, is, well, it's a couple of tweets. It's Brad Ray Racing. Really sorry to Glenn Owen. Uh, and of course, he's apologized to you guys as well. I think it just sums it more than anything. We've already talked about it a little bit. You know, there's nothing, there's no intent in these maneuvers, is so it? We saw Andy Owen apologizing to you guys. Brad Ray's apologised to Glenn Irwin as well now. So, actually, I've just thought about this. You've had one Irwin causing an <laughs> incident and another one's been taken out. Um, but yeah, that's a nice touch, isn't it? For Brad Ray to actually go out there on Twitter and put that there, you know, that's a nice thing to do.
2: Yeah, I see the highlights back and I've seen uh, Glenn went straight to, to Brad and started pointing at his head, telling him to use his head, you know. Oh, dear. Really? And so there was a bit of aggro in the gravel trap. But then once you get back and you think about it and you do feel bad for your mm. actions, so Brad yeah. straight away went to Twitter and apologised to Glenn. So, yeah. Uh, he didn't mean to do it he was having his own race he just tucked it back inside and lost yeah, exactly, the front he's lost big points as well isn't he yeah you know for the speed he had this weekend to come out of here with no points that's a, a horrible weekend for Brad so yeah fair play to him just apologising straight away to Glenn as you say and, and he did the same between races I haven't actually had a chance to reply to but I did see it and um, mm, right. yeah full credit to him you know he, he did apologise and it is racing and, and it's nice to actually get an apology when, when someone's clearly in the wrong it's nice when they do yeah. come you, you know I've had it in the past I remember getting knocked uh, down by Danilo Petrucci and he never he never come and apologised and that that grated on me because every every time in the past all people have always done it but I get on good with Danilo always did before then and since but it was just has he apologised now? No, not since. Oh, right. Are you but, not going to bring it up again? Yeah, I, or? May, I may actually want to, if I get a chance to interview him this yeah, year, I might bring it up. I don't remember where that was. When that was, was that? Aragon in 2013. So he came, first lap. He came down. You were uh, on the PBM, weren't on the, you? Yeah. yeah. And he uh, he's 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 an aggressive rider on lap one. Danilo, probably the most aggressive I've ever seen. Mm. But he lost the front. It's world superbikes. You see, he's coming through, exactly. come come up up through the stock through. classes. Yeah. That's it. It's stock. If, if you see someone who's come through the super class, they are no holds barred, and Danilo is <laughs> one of those guys. So it, it puts him in a good position a lot of the time, but sometimes it goes badly wrong. (laughs) <laughs> what happened there I just uh, yeah. I cut in sorry so that was uh, Aragon 2013 first lap up uh, over the back hill coming yeah. into that bus stop chicane yeah. he just lost the front on the brakes uh. and then he didn't he, he couldn't get it stopped and he just rode right into the side of me and took both of us down and he hit me hard he's a big he, mm. at that time he was he was probably 85 kilos he was a big lump so it, the impact of him and the bike hit me Ooh. it really it, 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 I wasn't knocked out or anything but I felt, I felt it pretty bad it was a big hit and like I say he didn't apologise at the time so I remember thinking I'll come and say sorry later but he never did but yeah, that's just one of those. We we got on, <laughs> We raced a lot hard that year, and I, I got on good with him. So it's it, it was just one of them. Maybe it, it's not an Italian custom to go and apologise because it shows sign of weakness. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm trying to remember now Was he in on Iota Prettier or something? Then he was, wasn't yeah, he? Iota Aprilia yeah. that year. So yeah, we he were, did. his was
2: CRT squabbles, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we we had had a lot of. I was on an Aprilia engine, so similar engine and electronics as Danilo, but slightly different chassis. And we were about a match generally pace-wise, and but a lot of the time, uh, I had better race pace than him. So he'd maybe out qualify me, but later in the race, I would pass him with six, seven laps to go, and it happened maybe ten times throughout the year. We always had a a really good battle, and
1: then I always generally got him at the end. So yeah, just goes to show, though, doesn't it? Look at everything he's achieving now; it just shows how things can go one way or another depending on the brakes you get and what happens around you it's amazing really exactly it? that to see him get the factory a Ducati ride a few weeks ago
2: I thought fair play You know, he he's took the real hard route as you say super stock he came in on it wasn't even the Suter bike then that first bike he rode I don't even know what you call it for Iota then he got a Suter chassis then it's he an really FTR got a frame or something I'm yeah to but it had a re- it has a really slow Apriot engine yeah. it had a, not even the ART one and it might have been an FTR frame or something really strange but it was, but yeah. it was a really, really, real strange bike. The first year he rode, then he done well on the Suter, which wasn't a great bike with a Kawasaki engine. The next year, then he got an Aprilia, and then once he finally got that that step up to Pramac, he you know he went from leaps leaps yeah. and bounds. He he started podium in the wet. He was always in the mix, and then he started doing it in the dry as well. And now all of a sudden, he is a factory uh, MotoGP rider, exactly. which you know he did never seen that coming so far down the line when he when he left Superstock and decided to become a caddy test rider it was just to get into world championship level you know to, to try and make that step up so fair play to him he's worked hard he's had to lean down a lot to be a moto gp rider like i say when i raced with him he was 85 kilos he's probably 75 now so to lose 10 kilos is a lot and it, you know he's he looks he looks more athletic he looks more racing now yeah. so he's, he's had to work hard every winter to get to get into that shape
1: really quick you've got time haven't you i don't want yeah. to really keep you here for too long sorry michael the sun's not setting yet here it's netherton but it will be soon um i can't believe it didn't rain fully by the way i mean it looked like it was coming it's always windy here but never it does rain obviously but not quite so much as some of the other tracks we go to anyway i'm going off topic as usual <laughs> i wanted to ask really quickly uh lorenzo to honda i just uh, nobody see it must have been done so quickly because hardly anyone picked up on it did they well that was some pretty good PR you got to say good work by his management that weekend he had the Yamaha offer he was
2: considering that yeah, yeah. and then all of a sudden I think he himself decided to make a phone call to Alberto mm. Puig yeah. uh, over that weekend it was yellow and next thing the offer was on the table and it was just done and dusted and announced by Tuesday normally these things yeah. drag on so nobody in the paddock was aware it caught everyone by surprise we were all singing about the, the Yamaha yeah, move yeah, yeah. And, and it looked like that was probably the most realistic option because the Jakari hadn't clicked for him he knew he could ride a Yamaha fast but fair play to him he had belief in his ability and uh, you know he said if they give me the the bits that I needed Jakari I'll deliver he has done it he's won two on the bounce and uh, everyone's like oh you'll not suit the Honda you didn't suit the Jakari but he believes Give me the same bag as Mark Marquez, and I'll go and beat him. So it's, it's going to be
1: a hell of a battle. Isn't it? Oh, you know, oh. the two biggest Spanish writers at the moment, teammates. I wonder, I wonder For, how Marquez reacted when he heard that was actually happening.
2: Well, he's he's put a good face on so far, saying, You know, I wanted a fast teammate, and he did say maybe not that fast <laughs> in the press conference beforehand. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'll faze Mark because he is one of those writers that nothing bothers him. You know, he just laughs in the face of, of any adversity. He's just such a positive. Yeah, his outlook on how he goes racing, his speed—you know, everything just kind of works for him. And um, yeah, he's probably the the fastest rider I've ever seen on two wheels. So he'll he'll still come out fighting next year. Jorge will change the dynamic. He'd probably change the Honda setup. So at the moment, it's a very loose bike, and he'll not want it that way. He'll want it more in line. So the will Honda will hopefully adapt that bike to him. Same with Ducati have done now for Jorge, just with a simple change on the fuel tank weight distribution, making it more comfortable, and he's gone and won two races. So yeah, it's funny. I went to congratulate Jorge after the race, Mugello, so he, maybe it was 7 o'clock in the afternoon and he had probably, already had a few drinks in the Marlborough Hospitality and he was <laughs> dancing about and I went in and he, he, I went to just shake his hand and he gave me a big hug and he said, thank you for everything you said because you still believed in my ability and I was so surprised that a Spanish guy listened to the UK coverage and wow, also took it on board. So that's he, amazing. It's a weird, weird that someone at his level still still listens to everything that's said about him and takes it on board. So everything we say, that those guys are still listening to. So that, that
1: shows a, a smart... It's like Jonathan Ray, for example. He's the smartest guy in the world, Superbike Paddock, I think, isn't he? And either way, whether you think that's true or not, he's so aware of what's being said and what's going on. And that reminds me of a story when Murray Walker, the first race of 94, he realised he started saying et and Senna, not i et and Senna. We all say et and Senna, don't we? But yeah. he, it was I-Ayrton. So Murray went back to saying... Ayrton Senna in the Brazilian Grand Prix at the start of 94. Senna comes up to him at Imola, tragically the weekend when we lost him, says Murray what happened to Ayrton? And Murray could not believe, he's explained he's... this story a few times and in his book how on earth did you know that? And, yeah. and Senna replied with something like oh you know I, I keep in touch Murray. Yeah. Sounds exactly what Lorenzo said to you. Yeah I was so so surprised whenever you know that.
2: that a. Jorge would listen at his level I thought you know what commentators have to say and pundits they'll not take it on board because there's so much self-belief but obviously he still needs mm. that little bit of, of whether if people are knocking him he feeds on that to, to motivate himself or he likes to he likes to you know have his, his ego massage so yeah, whereas yeah. conversely I think Mark Marquez has so much belief in himself he actually doesn't need it he doesn't mind because he gets booed
1: every weekend and he just he, scared, las- he does he? not care I reckon he'll be back in the car going home with Alex laughing his head off exactly because Mark all Marcus has ever known, he's riding a bike, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't know anything else. And I think we saw that when he broke down in tears at the Super prestigia press conference. Yeah. When there was that scandal... As they called it in Spain, going on with the yeah,
2: the taxes thing in Andorra, yeah, yeah which you
1: all got well blown out of proportion, didn't it? But all he knows is riding a bike, isn't it? That's the point I'm making. He'll just be laughing at those boos. He doesn't care. No, I guess your subconscious still hears
2: it, and it's not a nice thing. But when, when he's did you
1: just channel it out,
2: maybe perhaps he, he's you know he seems very very um, confident in his yeah. in himself and his ability, and you know he, he's got so many people do love him in Spain. He's a he's a superstar, so you yeah. know he'll he'll get he'll get so much positivity as well that he's able to brush the negativity aside and let it just wash over so yeah it's it's frustrating I don't like it I don't really like the boo and it is a bit of a panto effect but you know a lot of them are Rossi fans that do it. You know, mm. you, you when when you're there you see it. A lot of it comes from the the, saucy, the Rossi fans it? and it, and it's I would like nice. to see Valentino take a stand and, and ask them not to 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 you know respect his rivals. Um, but yeah, I guess it is the pando effect, you know, so you can't you can't stop that. It happens a lot in football, so it's you know, when you get big crowds, you get one hundred thousand people in a venue obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn to that so you, the, the people they don't
1: like are going to get booed every now and again I think we have lost quite a bit of respect there haven't we which is a bit worrying in bike racing Argentina was a pretty ugly situation wasn't it yeah yeah. Argentina was
2: <laughs> what to say but, you know, <laughs> yeah. Mark was was out of line in some of his moves but it was also out of this world his ability what he was doing on that patchy track so you've got to respect what he was doing but also, he needed to respect his rivals. Yeah. It was it was a, another part of it. So he wasn't. He was just rushing in there. And, you know, we had a, had a bit of a, a bit of a flap situation in the start. You know, having the ride through and everything, and, and then just two wrongs didn't make a right. So he was doing a such a good job coming through the field, and he just made a few errors of judgment, and then, then he got absolutely knocked for it and no points. But mm. actually, it's been good for MotoGP because it's kept the championship oh, still alive. Yeah, so absolutely. so yeah, it's it's. Sometimes the, the the negativity creates creates such a hype about the about the race, and it's, it can be a good thing. But yeah, actually on track, the dangers that are involved with riding at two hundred miles yeah. an hour, you know, you gotta you gotta
1: respect that. Oh, and I'm gonna keep you here all night, Michael. We're nearly done Here's Tech talk. Okay, what should we talk about from a technical point of view? I sometimes think this through beforehand. I mean, this tires. I did want to ask you a little bit about the tires, just to clarify. Exactly what tires you have in BSB, and you've talked about it before. That's going to be really important, isn't it? Moving towards the end of the season this year with these lower temperatures that you've already mentioned.
2: Yeah, so we've only uh, four tires and, or sorry, five tires now. So we've got three fronts and two rears. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't change. World Superbike they bring some some development stuff throughout the year, whereas in BSB it's locked down. So we know we've got we've got this SC zero soft and an SC one. Uh, they're standard tires and and they're locked in uh, the front. We've got a soft, a medium, and a hard. The Always in the past, it was only soft or hard. This year, they brought a third option, that yeah. middle one. So um, we've got a good, a good crossover. You know, a good, a good range of tires, but they're so temperature dependent. So the soft is the fastest tire if you've got the right temperature and the right setup to make it last. Uh, it generally becomes as it gets colder it makes it even harder to make that tire work so you have to really either work in your setup work in your riding style or you got to make the one the the harder option work so that's yeah. that's also an option to be fast i've won a couple of races in bsb by making the hard tire work when everybody else thought we need to be on the soft to win and i've just just persevered and i, I was kind of doing that this weekend hoping it, it paid off but the soft was was able to able to prevail. So, it's um it's going to be more interesting once you get to in the abrasive circuits with a cold temperature. Then it really becomes, mm. it becomes a bigger a bigger aspect. But there's certain bikes like the Ducati and the Yamaha that don't. They seem to work the tire a little bit easier. So they they seem to get away with a softer one. But now Leon seems to have found it with the Kawasaki. The rest the guys are going to be worried.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're pretty much done here now. We've just got uh, to talk very quickly in the uh, the checkered flag. Here it is. Laguna Seca, Michael, next weekend. Um, well, this coming weekend, actually. Um, I'm just trying to think what we need to look out for, really, at Laguna Seca. I mean, well, first of all, you've been spotting for chats, haven't you, yep. recently? And I did want to ask you about that, actually, how it's going. Um, I've been trying to find out, I've been speaking to so many people about what has actually been the difficulty with Ducati recently. Because... Imola, they were slower than last year. Donington looked like a disaster. I know they suffered with the wet weather, but it was so strange to see them down in 10th and 11th at one point. I know Chas, I reckon Chaz could have challenged really challenged in the second race there but he had the problem at the first corner but even so what's lacking with Ducati at the moment that's what they're kind of struggling to put their finger on at the moment because the bike hasn't changed
2: drastically the tires have changed in, in world yeah. superbike and that seems to be the biggest thing you know adjusting to make that tire work um actually Chaz went to bologna after bruno just to go back over and sort of retrace their steps where the bike has gone in the last 12 months and why they've kind of lost their way with it you know it was so bad at donington Chabi Fore has pulled out of both races and you know he's been so strong in the early rounds so to carry are missing a little bit of something but then you've got Marco who was so strong at Bruno, Marco Malandri that yeah, is yeah. you know he's, he, it worked for him there he, he found something a little bit different you know made that bigger the new bigger tyre work and, and put a lot of force into the tyre and Chaz actually for the second race learned a little bit of something from Marco's data and improved it and stuck it on the podium but um I think they're going to go back to the drawing board a little bit try and learn from where they've went over the last 12 months and Chaz has been the master at Laguna in the past so he's going to be wanting to come out there swinging and he needs to really if he wants to keep his championship hopes alive so hopefully Ducati kind of can reevaluate their their whole package their whole setup try and make that new tire work and and then come out there and give him give him the bike he needs but the thing is that Johnny's been so strong this year with yeah. the Kawasaki at the start he didn't look as comfortable with the new rule changes and the, how the rpm the lower rpm limit for them had made them move the torque curve a little bit lower and it seemed like he complained to Thailand that the bike felt slow like a super sport bike but now they they look really good they found something that works and the Bruno test I think Johnny found really lucked on something set up wise he said with him and Perry they they adjusted the bike didn't expect it to work when they turned up at Imola it really worked and since then he's been you know just delivering to devastate the fact he's looks like he's got a few tents over everybody so he can do it with ease that Bruno
1: test was critical wasn't it that was the turning point really this year
2: for sure you know up until then it looked like Chaz if he got things right had the had the, the chance you know when when Chaz was gone on a roll back in 2016 you know won a load of races on the bounce and there's still every hope that they could find something with the with the Panigale and, and he could still go there and, and challenge Johnny week in week out but at the moment Johnny looks comfortable he looks like he can do it at will yeah. the Yamahas are actually probably the stronger the second strongest bike on the grid looking at Alex and and, and, uh, and Van de Mark the last two two rounds so they they really look like they've found something with that bike and they can deliver you know Alex rode a brilliant race the last time out no, in he was he was a class act headed the field seemed to control his you know rode smooth because Alex can be loose he rode really smooth and controlled his tire right to the end so good to see those guys both in the mix and they probably took a step up the last couple of rounds so they're looking better and if Ducati finds something then all of a sudden we've got six seven bikes that can win races so that's what we want to see in World Superbike a really a really uh, close fight at the front the way we see in BSB uh, up until now Johnny gets criticized for making it boring but you know he, Johnny's not going to slow he's down, is he? No, you know, when it, it, when it's going your way, you go, you go and win it by ten seconds if you can. But um, but it does obviously make it, the race is a bit predictable at times. And obviously the second race grid shakeup gives us another chance for the Yamaha has a one off the back of that the last time out. So um, yeah, this year it's making more of a difference, isn't it? Last year not so much. It is this year. Yeah, it seems to be that that you know the grids closed up, so the rule changes have obviously worked in 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 the championships favor. So, yeah, like I say, Johnny, he's class act at the moment. A few years on board with that team, really gelled. They've built a bike that suits him and, you know, he is at one with the Kawasaki. So you can't knock him when he's when he's going and delivering. Mm -hmm. He's just signed on for another two years. So everybody in World Superbike, I've got another two years to try
1: and and topple his dominance. But (laughs) I saw the other day when I was looking at it, Max Piaggio when his last race at 41 yeah. Jonathan Wright is 31 yeah. it just puts into perspective I don't think he's going to go on that long but if he wants to imagine what he could go on to do
2: yeah exactly it's it's, <laughs> it's a tough one whenever he looks at it because he's got two young kids now who are starting school Yeah, and what what he'll decide to do in the future whether he'll call it a day um, you know as you say he's thir- 31 and we look at people like Casey Stoner who packed it in at 27 mm. so yeah, true. when you've had a good um, he earned a lot of money from it he, he's created a, a a name and a brand for himself that he could retire and still still live a comfortable lifestyle but you don't like we look at Valentino Rossi you don't get that same buzz whenever you decide to hang up the boots Troy Bayliss done it then decided to come back so he missed it so much you know some I've spoke to other writers like Neil Hodgson and he's saying as soon as he was done that was it he was over it he was finished and he was glad it was done but other writers kind of missed that that buzz and and um it, it's hard to can't can't shift the bug so Johnny's always been passionate about motocross and that whether he'll just go and play about on bikes when he says to retire who knows he could also be racing for another 10 years you just don't know he, he he's um he's a talented
1: guy on two wheels whatever he does so it ma- be- sorry michael it makes me wonder with jonathan sometimes i remember for a long time until i think last year he had the first line on his Twitter bio was failed motocrosser. Yeah. And I thought, oh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. You do pretty well and well-supervised. It just makes me wonder sometimes that in his mind, you know, real, his real passion is motocross. Maybe he can sort of compartmentalise those two things. I thought I was going to struggle to get that word out. I don't know how I did that. And I don't know, maybe he can sort of just allow the World Superbike thing to be controlled by his brain and not his heart so much, and I don't know, but he's obviously a very smart guy, isn't he? Whatever yeah. the reason is. I grew up with, with Jonathan and, and
2: schoolboy motocross, and he was a fantastic motocrosser, yeah. and he was... He, he actually... Uh, I remember speaking to him and he said, speaking to me because I moved made, moved to circuit racing a couple of years before he did and he came mm. come and asked me what, what's it going to be like and I said, you know, once you're into it, you'll enjoy it, it'll overtake your focus and he was like, oh, I love motocross so much, I don't see myself stopping it. I was like, Give it a go and see what you think and he did and then, like, as we see, it yeah, we worked out for right, him, so, he? yeah. so he's done all right but he still feels like he missed out on a potential career in motocross mm. but motocross does bring a lot of injuries with it and you have to retire earlier it's tough on the body but as he says he calls himself a failed motocrosser but I think he's he's just aligning himself to that passion he's got for motocross yeah. he'd have loved to made a career in motocross because that's what that was his first passion but I think he, he loves he loves two wins. he loves he loves super bikes, he loves MotoGP so he you know he's, he's made a heck of a career for himself so he, you know there's nothing to be to call failed really in his career when you look at it
1: Well, Michael thanks so much it's been a real pleasure I I said have you got 10 or 15 minutes we've been going on here for nearly 40 so (laughs) sorry about that but thanks very much do you know what I've had such a busy day I still do not know who won the MotoGP race we're sitting here on Sunday evening what happened who won? well all I know is Jorge, done the, done the, he? Jorge won it again he's so gone and it, again, he's done done it, done it again.
2: again I think Mark was second I'm um, not sure who was third but uh, yeah no, I know Jorge went and won again so wow. I haven't seen it either well that's a
1: way to respond I think to Ducati
2: isn't it? Cal was fourth as well and okay, John McPhee was fourth and Sam came
1: through to ninth from the back of the grid so a good day for the Brits good day indeed good day as well here for uh, Leon Haslam and let's see what Charles Davis Jonathan Ray and the others can do at Laguna Seca live coverage on Eurosport 2 and the Eurosport player across the weekend where are you next weekend are you going out there no,
2: I had thought about it, but I think I'm going to take a weekend at home with my wife because I haven't had one in a long time, and I won't have one
1: for another ten weeks after it. So yeah, so despite all this traveling, you have still got a home, and you yeah. have still got a wife.
2: Hang <laughs> yeah. on to it. Luckily, it's uh, she's Chaz Davies' sister, so she
1: understands. She's growing up <laughs> yeah. with migraines, so yeah. she understands the game, yeah. and she's good. Right. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much. And uh, we will be back there with all live coverage on Saturday evening, of course, for us here in the UK. It'll be from California. We will see you from Laguna Seca, Michael. Thanks very much again. Cheers, Greg.
0: Hold up. What was that?